Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Always a pleasure to be with you each and every week here on the home of world football. we got to get right into it. Who's going to win MLS Cup? We're down to the final coming up on Saturday. The two best teams in MLS are there. Yes, you heard me say it. With deference to New York Red Bulls, who won the Supporter Shield and had a great regular season. With deference to Sporting Kansas City, who won the West and were very good all year. These are the two best teams in MLS right now. Atlanta United and Portland Timbers. Portland, after that 0-3-2 start, remember, Gio Savarese, the new manager, was in trouble and then went on, a, by the way, a 15-game unbeaten streak there to, to snap that 0-3-2 ride. And Portland has been very good ever since. And the Timbers don't be deceived by their record 15-10-9 because, remember, as I said, after that really bad start, they were 15-7-7, which is a really impressive record to finish the season in those final, what, 29 games. I mean, they were rolling going into the postseason. So no surprise that they got there. Atlanta United has really been, by my account, you know, look, New York Red Bulls had a magnificent regular season. Atlanta United always seems to me to be the most dangerous team in MLS, right? We've seen them dump some really good teams. I mean, we saw LAFC earlier in the season crash out 5-0 in Atlanta, and now Portland goes across country. As uh, Timbers, you know, usually have struggled on the road, in fairness. They were not good on the road in the regular season, but they did draw at Mercedes-Benz Arena earlier in the year, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, a 1-1 game with Atlanta. So everything to play for, it's the Cup with Tata Martino leaving, all the intrigue and drama. And look, Atlanta is the clear-cut favorite at home. But that just means a lot more pressure on their shoulders, right? So you're heaping that pressure. We've seen it time and time again. Teams with very little to lose often put in very good performances in MLS Cup. And you just have to be able to handle it. You saw the Galaxy under Bruce Arena oftentimes be the favorite going in, and they handled their business more times than not en route to those five cups. Right? I mean, LA Galaxy would get there, and they would handle their business even as clear-cut and heavy favorites. And a lot of those were, well, not a lot, but a few of those were at what is now StubHub Center. So, I mean, let's be realistic here. All the pressure's on Atlanta, but you've got to just step up. If you're Tata Martino and you're a fabulous manager and you've got a talent like Joseph Martinez, who was voted MVP, Miguel Almiron, who was second in the MVP voting, you've got so many other great players, Pires, Gressel. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, the bench has Ezekiel Barco on one of the biggest signing in MLS history, money-wise, and he's on the bench, coming off the the bench as a an absolute spark plug offensively, and he just hustles and doesn't stop in his what fifteen twenty minutes he can play, coming off that pine. So there's no doubt Atlanta is the favorite. But if you really look closely, and you start to break down the positional comparison. Defensive uh, issues. Larius Mabiala, remember he left the game with a, a, an injury. I think he's going to play. Don't quote me on that. But it looks like he'll be back. Portland is nice defensively, there is no doubt. They are a good defensive team at times. They're not bad by any means. But they're not outstanding defensively. And yet Atlanta United, because they pour forward and they're so good, they're going to give up some goals at times. Michael Parkhurst, can he get over that injury that he sustained? Is he going to be 100%? He is a gem. He is one of the most underrated players in the history of U.S. soccer, Michael Parkhurst. 
in that center of defense. He's just so good. And then you have Jeff Lorenowitz, of course, who's in the midfield playing some defense there, but he also gets the ball forward. Oh, what a job he's done. And again, all those attacking options. But if you look at it positionally, defensively, you've got to give a slight edge to Atlanta United. I guess, again, Gonzalez Pires gets, you know, he can play. They get guys forward on the wing back spots. Not that Portland doesn't by any means. They can as well. Every good team essentially has to now. But you really, I really like what I see out of this defense for Atlanta. A slight edge, though, over Portland if I'm if I'm giving them the ranking, okay? Slight edge. Don't panic. Don't at me about it. I'm not saying that they're dominant defensively, either team. So there are goals to be had, potentially. A slight edge to Atlanta. You look at the midfield. Diego Chara, of course, is an absolute linchpin for Portland. As he goes, oftentimes, so go the uh, the Portland Timbers, right? Defensively. He's just an absolute buzzsaw. I really can't stand the way he plays. If I'm being honest, I think Diego Chara, I just don't like it. He offers nothing offensively going forward at all, and it you just it's just not fun. I mean, I'm sorry. I know I'm not. I don't mean fun, but it it doesn't supply supply enough going forward for Portland. I know there's other guys to do that for the Timbers. I get it, but when you're looking at the guys that import, that Atlanta has in the midfield, even Remedi, who they assigned recently, Nagby. As we mentioned, even a guy, you know, of course, like Laurentowitz, Julian Gressel, those guys are getting forward. They know how to defend, yes, but they also know how to bomb forward. And you just can't have, you know, that that Diego Chara, he has to supply more offensively in this particular matchup. He is crucial, no doubt. And he is good. He's a good player. What he does, he does incredibly well. I just don't know if that's the kind of thing you want running through this. And I'll tell you why. Because if Atlanta, and it's crucial, if Atlanta gets the first goal, look out. Up front, of course, Joseph Martinez has just been unreal. And you've got Miguel Almarone behind him. He'll come back for the football a lot into the midfield. But he's, a, he's an attacking, certainly an attacking player. The upfront players... But you also, for Portland, have such great players like Blanco and Diego Valeri who are just so good. Absolutely, you know, incredible players who are so tough to beat. I don't like Blanco. You, you heard me talk about it last week. I don't like him at all. I think he's easy to root against because he kind of is a flopper and he's a play actor and he's annoying as heck. But he's good. And you can't take that away from him. Right? So they've got weapons, too. Portland must come out and get that first goal. It might only be one goal, you know, that that helps them win. They may have to win one nil, which you know, good luck. But those are the. I still give Atlanta United the edge in the in the forward spot, the attacking spot, edge in the midfield, slight edge in defense. Now here's where people are going to probably disagree with me. Uh, goalkeeping, Jeff Atnella is better than Brad Guzan, without a doubt. That's not to say Guzan is bad. Don't misread me. He's a fine player, too. But Jeff Atnella is one of the most underrated players in all of MLS, the goalkeeper for for Portland Timbers. He is really good. He moves well. I would like to see him get a shot with the U.S. national team, like a real shot. I'm not kidding. I know some people are going to laugh at me about that. I've watched this guy a lot, and he is fantastic. 
He gets let down a lot by his defense. But he is really, really good. And again, Guzan is good too. Atnella's better. There's an advantage for Portland in goal in this one. Now we'll see how that plays out. That could be a big factor for me. Remember, you also you got a stoppage time. You know, you go, after stoppage time, you go to extra time potentially. Then you go to PKs. Right? We need a winner in this MLS Cup game. So there's a lot there. Again, the only position I think that Atlanta has a, or I'm sorry, Portland has a clear cut advantage is at goalkeeper, but it may be just enough. Here's the key. Atlanta, as I said, get the first goal at home. Atlanta must get the second goal of the game. And then it's just lights out. If I'm Atlanta, if I'm Tata Martino, I'm thinking, let's go get two, let's go get three, let's go get four. Right? What do I always say? I want to build a soccer team that goes and scores four goals, and if the opponent can score five, you shake their hands and say congratulations, you win. Go get four. And Atlanta's got that capability. But they must do it against a team that really should have no fear. There's nothing to be expected out of Portland in this match. Going in front of 70-plus thousand, which is going to be incredible, the atmosphere is going to, no doubt, just be unreal in Atlanta. I mean, you can't have a better setup in terms of where you want this MLS Cup played if you're the league than in Atlanta, who's just, the fans have been so dynamic and so, so influential for them. And they've been noticed throughout the world. Atlanta United's one of the top, I guess, one of the top attended teams in the world, attendance-wise. I mean, I think top 20. It's just incredible what they've done. So they deserve this game to be played at home. Now you got to take advantage. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. My prediction is Atlanta United 3, Portland Timbers 1. I do believe Atlanta United is the best team in MLS. I think they should win. If the pressure gets to them, yeah, game on. Because, again, Portland should be playing without any pressure on them, realistically. But I do believe Atlanta will get that first goal. They'll get that second goal. Then they'll start to really, really open up Portland. And they'll win 3-1 is my prediction for the final. Hey, coming up next... Max Bredos, the voice of LAFC on television for YouTube TV, of course, works for ESPN and ESPN FC. We'll talk MLS Cup with him, expansion draft, and the Copa Libertadores and all that going on there. He is next. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. This is ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710, here on the home of world football in Southern California. I am Dave Dunholm, and we'll be joining you each and every week here on ESPN LA, and joining us is a friend of the show and a good guy for ESPN, ESPN FC. You see him all over him, and most importantly, he's the voice of LAFC on YouTube television. He is the great Max Bredos. Max, we go right into our MLS Cup preview. I've been talking about it. Atlanta and Portland, Max. I gotta say, as is not often the case in sports, Max, I think these are the two best teams in MLS right now. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds like crazy talk. I, I agree with you, and that sounds like crazy talk because the Timbers barely made the postseason. I mean, they, yes. were, they didn't secure their spot. They, they did by the, the last week, and they got to rest some of their players, and then they've navigated this thing perfectly. Uh, they're playing well. On the, they're good on the road. I mean, this is a, historically one of the worst teams on the road. They've figured that out in the playoffs here, and, uh, and, I, and I, I, we were in Kansas City uh, for ESPN and the sporting Game. I think it would be best for MLS Cup if Sporting Kansas City made MLS Cup because they were the best team in the West. But it, it really is. The Timbers are the best representative from the West because of who they have. And uh, the guy who wears the number eight, the guy who wears the number 10, 
Uh, Valeri is one of the best players ever in this league, and Sebastian Blanco can do some crazy stuff. He's that good when he plays well. So that's the most dangerous pairing that the Western Conference could provide for MLS Cup, and I think that's going to keep Atlanta on guard here. You know, Max, if Sporting Kansas City wants to blame anybody, they can blame me because I talked last week in previewing that Western Conference final that I really, it's so easy to sports hate Sebastian Blanco because all he does is flop and fall and act like he's been, yeah. you know, hit by Muhammad Ali. And then, of course, he goes and scores one of the best goals I've ever seen in MLS. So you got to give him praise for that. You talked about Valeri as well. Let's talk a little bit further about him. There is no route for Portland to win, Max, if he doesn't have a good game, I believe. What are your thoughts on that guy? He really seems to pull the strings. Yeah, but he will. He'll have a good game. And he, he has, to me, the best touch in the league. Yeah, That ball hits his foot, and that ball dies there every time. And I, just one thing about Valeria, I think when you watch him play, he came to this league at 27 or 8. Uh, he could have been a, a star number 10 type player, number 8, uh, or even in more central role, in a, for a good European team. He was that good when he was getting developed out of Argentina. He came here and he swears allegiance to Major League Soccer, been lucky to have him. But he's just been consistently good. He's not having a great year this year, but he's doing it. He's in there when it matters. And you saw what he did. Like He was the MVP a year ago, and he was there in the end when they won in 2015. He is, a, he is as close to having a primetime player in this league. Now that said, of course, we're talking with Max Bradoss from ESPN, ESPN FC. He's got the Max and Herc podcast, and of course he is the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. Max, uh, on the other side of the coin is the favorites, certainly, at home. Atlanta United's just been so dynamic for the couple of seasons they've been in, in existence under Tata Martino. Uh, it's the usual suspects, Max, but you have to start with Joseph Martinez and Miguel Almiron, who are 1-2 in the MVP voting. I don't know. I mean, there have been some great combinations. Landon Donovan and, and, and Robbie Keane come to mind, of course, closer to sure. home here in Los Angeles. There have been some great combinations in MLS, Marco Echeverri and Jaime Moreno, but this combination is right up there, if not the best of all uh, in MLS. Do you, what are your thoughts on those two? Do you, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, the most productive duo, I think, ever, when you just look at the, the numbers and what they're able to accomplish, and they're there every game. Uh, yeah. The knock on wood, they've been able to avoid uh, Almiron a little bit down the injury. He's a very slight player. I mean, he's a small guy, but he... He gets in there, and he goes at a very high velocity. So if he gets tackled, the chance for injury is very high. But they are uh, it's, it's a remarkable duo, and it's a shame that it would, for all it would appear that Almiron is playing his last game in Major League Soccer, huge money moves. I think Newcastle United was reported last, but we've heard other Premier League teams. He's not going to be here. We know Tata Martino. So uh, this is such a big showpiece for him, and that's a lot of pressure on Atlanta because – I mean, they're going to be a good franchise moving forward, and they, well, they do it the right way, and they have a great eye for talent, and they have deep pockets. But, I mean, do we look back in history and say, were they lucky to get this out? Does Alameda don't become this breakthrough uh, midfielder in Europe? Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of pressure for one game. They deserve to be here, but this is the nature of the They should have the, you know, the Eastern Conference was a, was a gauntlet, but they deserve to be here. But it's one game, and they've got a real tricky opponent. 
Here's one of the things I love about Max Bredas, who's joining us now here on Soccer Weekly. He's, he's an international man of mystery, and you can talk about a lot of things with Max Bredas. Now, we're going to keep it soccer, Max, but we're going to go into something else here, and that is the, uh, the Greg Berhalter hiring for U.S. men's national team. I've talked about it on this show, Max. I thought if he was on the list amongst the guys that we all think were on that, you know, that real like the the real narrow list at the end of Ernie Stewart's wish list, I thought he was probably the best choice at that point because of how he can adapt his offense and his system and how he gets scores to score even without a guy like Valderrama, you know, or somebody feeding the ball in Columbus. You know, they've had Iguain who's decent. I like his system play, Max. Is he the best choice based on how this whole played out for Ernie Stewart? No, it's a good choice, and I think when the the, the process began when Bruce Arena stepped down. Greg Berhalter was one of the one or two names that would pop in your head immediately. At least it did for me. Yeah. And I like what he does. And he has he's done a really nice job with Columbus and maybe and it is a nice brand of soccer. He's forward thinking. Uh the way he plays, it's been a, and I think that plays into this youth that US has and I think he can get a lot out of it. I think he well works well with young players. There's a lot to like and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, the only disappointment was the process itself, which uh, it's, it's nothing else, Dave. It's just going to mount a lot. I mean, Hercules pointed this out. It's going to mount a lot of pressure on Burhalter, sure, uh, because because of the means that he did. Because now it comes up about his brother being in there, and again, who's that going to fall on? It's Greg Burhalter. People will automatically tear it up. They oh, is there some nepotism involved? There may not have been, but. Jay Berhalter's on U.S. soccer, and people are going to think that. And that all that pressure goes on to Greg Berhalter. But I, you know, I've spoken to him many times. He's, he's got it. He's earned his keep. He, he has all the accolades. He was a great player who had his chance to play in Europe, and he played long, and he was a winner in MLS. Everything checks off the list. You just wonder, uh, is that the best candidate that was available? I don't think so. I would, I would say Tata Martino, but that was the guy that, Ernie Stewart crossed off uh, the list because of his criteria, and so be it. But uh, I, I just hope, because uh, he, he, there's such a malaise right now around U.S. soccer, and I think the, it's up to the Federation to really get us out, however they do it, spend some of that money in the reserve, have a big marketing campaign or what have you to get us excited. But uh, we, we shall see. I mean, the first thing they do, Dave, is they have a, they're changing the January camp going further south, and I was heard, I'm told it was for further isolation. And I go, why are we isolating the team? But yeah, uh, just little things like that. I'm like, uh, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Let's say we're way too isolated in America already. I we're couldn't way, agree more. We are way too. I, there's no need for that. I mean, yeah. we, I want a little transparent. We were told transparency by Cordero in the search. We didn't get a lot of it, and I understand you're not supposed to give that out, but it just feels like it's. It's not in for public view. No, exactly right. We're talking with Max Bradoff, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV here in Los Angeles. Of course, he works for ESPN, ESPNFC. You see him all over the Max and Herc podcast as well. And, uh, Max, one thing I want to leave you with, all deference to the Champions League that has, has had some incredible matches and incredible finals over the years. But I believe the single biggest club match of all time is going to be played now out of its country <laughs> the Copa Libertadores final, the single biggest match of all time, club-wise, Max. I really believe that when you're talking about River and Boca going for the championship. And then all of a sudden, all the you know we don't have to rehash what happened, but now playing it in Madrid, what are your thoughts, Max? You love the beautiful game. You love the international game. I know you love Argentine football. What does this feel like to you? 
Uh, Argentine football was the first thing I ever did. I, I worked for Fox Soccer Channel uh, or Fox Sports World, and I called the Clásico del Domingo. Sure. Which was an Argentine game, and I did it in English. So I got exposed to Boca River and Racing Independiente and these players at a young age. It was I fell in love. And Boca River was at the top. I mean, these games, these players, and the uh, the romance. Biggest so, rivalry in all of sports, Max. I really believe that. Yeah, it's really. It's, uh, what am I put pinpoint at number one? But it, it it has to be on the very top line amongst the two or three there. But it's um, it, and maybe because of the stuff that's happening, it, it ramps up that rivalry for some of the wrong reasons. I just I just got so angry at the means that that happened, and you know if they canceled the game, this is uh, this is how upset I was by the yeah. behavior. If they canceled the game and, and left it vacant. I wouldn't have been so upset just to say you can't. This cannot happen. This cannot happen. Mm-hmm. Now that said, and uh, emotions have run down a bit in a couple of weeks. Now this game is here, and it's, the imbalance is thrown out because Boca had a home game, so it's not fair. It's not fair at all. That uh, it's uh, now that it's all passed. I'm excited for the game. I'd be lying. I always wanted to boycott it, but I want to see it now because everything that's come into it's made this a compelling sports story. But a lot of it can't be there. Uh, based on what we saw by the River Plate fans and what I saw the, the faces of those Boca players, I'll never forget it. And it's it really has tainted it. And I want to contain it more. But Dave, to your point, I I, I want to see this game. It's going to be yeah. huge, but it's very frustrating. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That's w- well said, <clears throat> Max. One final thing: LAFC has some big decisions. Of course, every off season is crucial. But John Thorrington is now the shoe is on the other foot with the expansion draft, Max. Of course, we all lived through that with LAFC. You know, less than 12 months ago, and with the picks that they made, now all of a sudden, LAFC has to decide who they want to keep. What are your thoughts in general that you only get 11 spots? It's just so tricky for Thorington to build such a good roster, you know, and then all of a sudden you just have to you have to expose some players now. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting process. And does he go young? Look, you, you know, just everyone, have to every, do you just every, have to let the older yeah. guys, you know, be unprotected. I guess. Yeah, it's. It's a, it's going to be a, an interesting list. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I think some of the younger guys. I I think you're are you're safe because they, I I think you've really got to think about what FC Cincinnati is looking for and how they're going to build their team and any intel you can get. I mean, that'll help dictate that thing. But you've got to prepare yourself to lose someone. You might lose someone pretty talented. I think the expansion draft for uh, um. For LAFC, I don't think any of the teams that lost the player there, maybe Seattle because they have their heir apparent goalkeeper uh, in Tyler Miller, but I, I think those teams could all click forward and didn't really skip a beat. So it's been somewhat painless in the past, but you never know. But I think I, I have faith in John and, and Bob that they will. They know the best team, but they have to do it prepared to know that they might lose a player. Max Prados, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV, and of course, check him out on ESPN and ESPN FC. Always a pleasure, buddy, talking with you. What's your cup prediction? If I can put you on the line and put you oh. on the spot, let's do it. What are you? What are you predicting for this game? The more time goes, the more I, I, I feel fortunate <laughs> to have a shot. But I think Atlanta, with that huge fan base, I think they get that early goal and they win it. Uh, I'm going to say two one. Atlanta United, and uh, and, uh, one of the most fascinating seasons in MLS history. Yeah, couldn't agree more. He is fascinating as well, Max Bredos. Always a pleasure, buddy. You're a lovely man, Dave. I love you. I love you too, man. Thanks so much, Max. (laughs) Happy holidays to you, brother. Happy holidays. Thanks very much, Dave. You bet. Max Bredos from ESPN and ESPN FC, the voice of LAFC. He and I happen to call the games me for radio here on ESPN Atlanta. He does it on YouTube TV, which I love, by the way. I know that they're a sponsor of LAFC and all, but I happen to 
uh, get into YouTube TV recently, and I love it. Bottom line, and he calls those games for LAFC on YouTube television with the deal that they have with YouTube TV. Great stuff, as always. We will continue. Still black and gold breakdown still to come. Talking more about Greg Berhalter and stoppage time later on in the show as well. We roll on here. The fastest hour in all of soccer radio. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you here on the home of world football, the home of LAFC here in Southern California. And uh, don't forget, coming up, stoppage time. And uh, with the great Mario Rees, the producer of this show, he hosts Stoppage Time, and it's always the best segment, realistically. We get all some of the wacky stories going on and some good stuff coming up with that. But right now, it is time for Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this! Right now. Black and Gold Breakdown here on the home of LAFC. And uh, we start with some really, really good news for LAFC. I'm sure most of you have heard it. Already, if you haven't, it is good news. Mark Anthony Kay, the midfielder for LAFC, signed a three-year contract extension through 2021. And the club has an option for 2022. So this is after Kay, who uh, he had 20 games in MLS before that injury against the Galaxy. He had to have surgery, put him out for the rest of the season. He had a couple of goals, five assists. Really just the, the, the cog in a big machine that is LAFC's midfield. A key cog, though. And, again, taking nothing away from Benny Failhaber, Edward Atuesta, Lee Wynn, they did a very good job in Kay's absence. But Mark Anthony Kay was a revelation. Like, you know who Failhaber is as a player, right? Very good, very solid, very experienced MLS player. You know who Lee Wynn is. Edward Atuesta, while so young, he came in with high praise coming from Columbia on loan and everybody kind of expected him to be able to come into MLS and really produce. You're talking about a guy in Mark Anthony K that LAFC got from, uh, you know, the USL. Came over from Louisville City. You didn't quite know how he would adapt, realistically, at a very young age. And he did. And he is the real deal. I expect him back in full force. He's now part of the Canadian men's national team. I don't think that's going to stop. He'll get more and more opportunities there. I just love this kid. He's just a great guy that, you know, that never hurts because he's a good kid, a good guy, really like talking to him. He's also a hard worker, and not just on the pitch during a game. I'm talking training, everything. He wants to get better. This is the kind of guy LAFC needed to re-sign. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to play out his deal. You never know. He keeps improving. You know how the world of world football is. There may be, you know, some team that just can't resist in the future. We'll see what happens, but... To get him locked up for that three-year extension and to have that club option, I mean, that is just great news for the black and gold. So that's a great start to the black and gold breakdown. Now this next bit of news, which is you know also leads me to want to talk a little bit deeper about it, isn't so good, but it isn't bad either. It's congratulations to Carlos Vela again. He came in fifth in the MVP voting. Right Now, we all know Joseph Martinez won. Miguel Almiron came in second. Now, Martinez clearly won. I mean, it was not particularly close. Although, I don't know how anybody couldn't have voted for uh, for Joseph Martinez. I'm on MLSsoccer.com looking at the final vote tallies. And I don't know exactly how these things are broken down in terms of the number of votes. But like the player vote, 50% of the players voted for Joseph Martinez. 
And nobody else was really particularly close. Miguel Almiron was second in that voting at almost 14%. And he was Laton at 8 Wayne Rooney at 4 Vela had 4.65% of the player vote. Who in the world is not voting for Joseph Martinez as a player? What do you need to watch? The club vote was even less. 42.45% for Martinez. Now, again, the rest of these names on this list, including Vela, had magnificent seasons. They're great players. They're big personalities. But they get it done game in and game out. Joseph Martinez broke the records, smashed them, and was unstoppable. Of course, he was the clear MVP. People started talking about Zlatan late in the year. Remember, I've talked about it on the show weeks ago. Zlatan Ibrahimovic had a magnificent season, no doubt. He's the only reason the Galaxy were anywhere near sniffing the playoffs. But to, 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 to try to push him late in the year as someone who, could, who should be getting the MVP over Joseph Martinez, that's insanity. And Carlos Vela had a great season. Nobody should expect Vela to get the MVP over Joseph Martinez. I thought Carlos Vela should have finished higher in the voting, though. I don't think fifth is... Cl- I, don't, I think Vela was more valuable than Zlatan Ibrahimovic because LAFC won. They won games. They were in the playoffs. They were the third seed. As good as Laton was. Wayne Rooney, you could argue, you could haggle with it because he really changed D.C. United. There's no question of that. But Carlos Vela was just, I don't think enough people really realize, and we do here, of course, how good he is. Like people around the country, yeah, okay, he's a Mexican superstar who kind of had some issues with the U.S. or I'm sorry, El Tri, and you know he played over in Europe. Yeah, he's great. Okay, he has some, he scored some great goals in MLS. They just don't understand unless you watch this dude. Virtually every touch, there's something to explore and something to learn about him. You got to watch this guy close. I've never seen anybody in MLS. Hear me, hear me. I've never seen anybody in MLS do what he does on the ball. Not one person. Now, that doesn't mean there have been some magnificent... I mean, again, it was Carlos Valderrama as good a player as Carlos Vela? Yeah. Just different. Right? There's been some unbelievable players. David Beckham. The list goes on. Zlatan himself. I've never seen anybody do what Carlos Vela does on the football. And by the way... However many times Carlos Vela was fouled this season, add about 50 that should have been called. Yeah, you heard me. It was ridiculous that Vela didn't get more protection from the referees. Bottom line, they blew it. I'll say that until I'm blue in the face. Utterly ridiculous, the pounding he took. Add 50 to whatever, however many fouls were called you know, on the players who were hacking Carlos Vela. Now, I know referees can't call everything, but my goodness, he was just getting destroyed and still performed. So I'm not sitting here telling you he was the MVP over Joseph Martinez. No. But man, Carlos Vela is right up there with anybody else, including Almarone, who is another outstanding player, and we'll see more of him coming up on Saturday at MLS Cup. But that is your black and gold breakdown here on ESPN LA 710, the home of LAFC. I cannot wait. As this uh, offseason rolls on, I cannot wait to get to the season. Ah, I'm just champing at the bit to get to 2019. It's going to be awesome. 
Now, one thing that I'm not sure is going to be awesome is the future of the U.S. men's national team. We don't know yet, but we do know Greg Berhalter, officially named as the manager of US, uh, the U.S. men's team. I've talked about it. I'll, I'll sum it up again. Good choice in my estimation. I like it. I really do. I think I think he is a very good choice among the you know the guys that were starting to appear at least rumor wise to kind of go to the top of the list. Right? We weren't in. You know, Unai Emery wasn't coming. That's who I wish we would have gotten. Mauricio Pochettino's not coming. All right, Jurgen Klopp is busy. But I I wanted among the candidates who started to kind of distance themselves from the rest, at least rumor-wise, towards the final days, I wanted Greg Berhalter out of the ones we could have chosen. Because he can get a lot out of a, maybe a little bit less than roster. Right? Because look at, look at what he's done with Columbus. There's always a guy banging in goals for the Columbus crew. And again, there's no Valderrama on that roster. It's not like they've had some... Marco Echeverri distributing 30 assists a year, or Carlos Valderrama breaking down defenses with every pass, or Mauricio Cienfuegos. Now, look, Higuain's a nice player, yes, but he's not on that level. And they've never had that kind of magical number 10, just setting up goal score after goal score, easy tap in after, no, but it's a system. And that's what the U.S. needs. We need a guy who can develop goal scorers, and to get somebody red hot in front because that's how a team like the United States can do damage, not only in qualifying, but once they get to the World Cup. You need that red hot goal score. And I really believe, and I may be wrong, but I really believe Greg Berhalter is the guy to do that. Just the way he's already shown in his managerial career, especially with Columbus Crew. So I'm not going to backpedal with that. Now remember, I'm a guy who thought Jurgen Klinsmann was the right hire at the time, and it was. Didn't work out. There's a lot of pitfalls in the national game. Not the least of which is, you got to go find the right talent. But don't sit here and tell me the U.S. isn't talented enough. That's garbage. We bombed in qualifying, no doubt. We gagged, and we didn't deserve to go to the 2018 World Cup, and it will haunt us forever. And we'll never forget it. I certainly won't. I'm still bitter about it. But don't tell me we don't have the talent to do damage because every other year we were always getting out of our group or every other World Cup, I should say, for the last four or five, for crying out loud. It became a habit. Not quite, I know, but you get the point. Don't tell me we can't compete. Don't tell me we can't do this or that. It's, it's, that's ridiculous. Burhalter's got to go out and find the talent, put it together, and get a red-hot goal scorer by the time 2022 rolls along. That's it. If he does that, he'll have massive success, and we're going to be very happy about it. If he doesn't, we'll fire him too, and he, and he should be gone. Bottom line. So I wish him nothing but the best. Hope to have him on the show here coming up within the next week or two to kind of pick his brain a little bit about where the U.S. men's national team is headed. Miguel Almiron, rumors flying around. You heard uh, Max Bredos talk about it. It looks like Europe is his next destination. looks like the premiership, at least by uh, many of the so- most solid rumors, if you will, or the most, I can't say reputable rumors. Some of the stories coming out, talking about Newcastle. There's been talk about West Ham and other. Hey, look, he's a slight build. People will say he's going to get chopped down and get destroyed in the you know, physical. 
What league is more physical than MLS? I mean, there might be. Maybe Brazil? But it's not like the Premiership is more physical or, or you know, more, you know, really a banging style than MLS. You don't mess around in Major League Soccer. For some of its shortcomings, you better be ready to go physically. And Al Marone answers the bell every time, it seems. He'll be fine wherever he lands. As long as there's some talent around him. I mean, he's not Messi. He's not Ronaldo. Okay, we get it. But if he's got somebody to play off of, and if he's got a goal scorer in front of him, look out. He'll be a, a rousing success. I don't care what the price tag is. It's not enough. Whatever Atlanta United ends up getting, it ain't enough. <laughs> and I really, I can't wait to see him in MLS Cup. He ought to just be flying around. Again, we talked about it earlier. If you're Atlanta, just roll that ball out and go score four goals. Make Portland get five on you. That's all it takes. That's all it's going to take. That's all it should take. Still to come, stoppage time coming up. Plus, we've got a cool little story to talk about. I am Dave Denholm. This is the home of world football in Southern California as we roll on here on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710 as we roll on. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you. Interesting story out of Major League Soccer, which, you know, something that Southern California, we can appreciate it. I happen to also be a big fan. You know, I love soccer, of course. I happen to be a big fan of poker. And the two intersect. A story recently I was reading on MLSsoccer.com late in November. Uh, the two intersect with the Minnesota United player, Brent Coleman. He's a defender for Minnesota. And kind of a journeyman. You know, I mean, he's not like an all-star or anything. I mean, he's a good player, whatever. He's in the league. But he's a guy who really is taken to poker. He's a good player. He actually recently, the story goes, cashed in, a, in the Seminole Hard Rock, the Rock and Roll Poker Open there in Florida, and there was some 900 players in this tournament, and he cashed, I think he got fifth or sixth. Yeah. So I think he won somewhere over 60 grand. Good good job by him. And he's done that before. He's won some other tournaments, or he's cashed in a, f- a few other events. Yeah, I might have gotten fifth in that, but it was just such a cool thing to uh, to see that. You know, you, you see poker, obviously Southern California is like a hotbed. It's a mecca of poker in America and really around the world. And just to see a guy like that, you know, a player who you maybe never even heard of with Minnesota United, again, all deference, you know, to how talented these athletes are. He's, you know, not a huge name. So it's just kind of cool for me to see that. And I really, I'm hoping to get him on the show too. I want to talk to him about poker as much as I do soccer, of course, as he plays with Minnesota United in in the uh, Western Conference against LAFC. But I'd really like to pick his brain a little bit and, uh, you know, talk more about that. So good stuff there. It is time now, though, for Stoppage Time. What time is it? It's Stoppage Time. Yeah, Stoppage Time. Yeah. It's Stoppage Time. Right now. Of course, the great Mario Reeves, producer of this show, the producer of LAFC here on ESPN LA 710. He's the host of Stoppage Time. Mario, what do you got, brother? Dave, how's that daddy life going for you? Uh, very good, thank you. <laughs> I'm a little tired, but that's all right. Nobody wants to hear that. So Everybody go on. congratulate Dave on his Twitter, at Talk Soccer. Send him congratulations. <laughs> they just had a ba- beautiful baby. Uh, go say congrats to my man right there. Thank you, buddy. All right, so uh, we got Neymar here. He made a pledge to David Beckham. Uh, He was speaking during a a question and answer session on his own uh, YouTube account in a video which has since been actually removed. Uh, David Beckham was the first to uh, pop a question to Neymar, and uh, and the president of uh, 
he's from the, he's the president of the Major League Soccer franchise Inter Miami, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, he extended an invitation to uh, Neymar to join his football club when his playing days are done over in uh, Europe. And uh, Neymar says, "David, it's done." And he continued to laugh, and he said, "I will come to Miami, your city, and your club." What do you think nice. about that? Wow. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's what David Beckham wants, right? He wants these big names, no doubt about that. He feels like that's the way to go. We've heard those rumors about Antoine Griezmann, you know, maybe kind yeah. of da- dancing a little bit with LAFC or Miami. Uh, so this is going to be something that is not going to stop, Mario. But Neymar is just about as big a name as you have in world football. So to hear that, now how old is Neymar now? What, 26, 27? He's not that old right now. No, still a youngster. Kind of hinted about the Premier League with him. You know, you think yep. he he's probably not long for PSG. He's a guy who likes to move around. I could actually see him getting there at a pretty good age. Yeah, Mario, at a like decent 30, age, yeah. 31. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to believe he's still going to have a whole lot left in the tank by then. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be truly incredible. And, again, he is one of those names. This is not This is not like some good player, right? He's up there. At the very height of the game. And we're talking Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar. Those are the names. Kylian Mbappe, Zlatan. I mean, those are the names that people know. The greats, yes. Yeah, at the very height of the game right now. So that would be unbelievable. That would be huge for Miami. Yeah. yeah I mean, and for the league. Who are we kidding? You'd watch every second of him on the pitch for Inter-Miami. No doubt. All right, Brazil legend Pele has stated that Diego Maradona was a much better player than Messi. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Adding that Barcelona number 10 only shoots with one leg and only has one skill and doesn't head the ball well. What you got, Dave? You know why uh, that uh, Lionel Messi only shoots with one leg, Mario? Why is that? Because he's Cause good at it? Because that's all he has to do, yeah. okay? <laughs> he's it that goes good with that. It goes leg. in the back of the net. That's why. He doesn't have to do anything else. He's so much better than everybody. Look. You know, it's interesting that uh, that Pele ended up saying this. Pele gets a microphone stuck in his face every day of his life, right? And he's not shy. Yeah. He loves the attention. He'll probably change his mind on that very topic 50 more times before he passes away. Hopefully many, many years from now. No time soon, obviously. We want the great Pele to be around for 150 years. But he is not shy about giving opinions, and it'll probably change 50 more times. You know, <laughs> he'll, One day he'll say, Ronaldo, the next day. That's my opinion of that. I don't think there's much to to it. You can't really compare. I did go back a few, I don't know, about a week ago, Mario, interestingly enough, and started watching more Diego Maradona tapes, right, when he was playing. Right. Just, you know, just because I'm a weird that way and I love to do that. And, uh, you know, when you're feeding your baby at 2.30 in the morning, you know, sometimes <laughs> you just got to, you know, stick a YouTube video on and watch it, right, to yeah. keep it quiet. But And Diego Maradona was clearly one of the top two or three best players of all time. I mean, it's just not even close. Like he, if you don't consider him right up there with Pelé and Messi and Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, you're just foolish. There's no way otherwise. You can't think anything other than Maradona is easily in that conversation. And if you picked him, I wouldn't even argue with him. He was that good. And despite his size being so small, oh, I yeah. mean, the will just makes him bigger than life, you know? Absolutely. The will to win. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, even look at Messi seemingly towering over Maradona in terms of size, right. but not literally. But, you know, and then Cristiano Ronaldo's six 6'2", and is an incredible athlete who works his butt off. But, I mean, Maradona was just blessed with so much raw talent who just, he went after it every minute, it seemed, on the pitch. I mean, so I can't take anything away from anybody saying Diego Maradona was the best of all time, potentially. 
I, I just still have to defer to Messi. And in this day and age, to do what he's done, uh, to me, Lionel Messi is the best player of all time. And Messi, you know, the guy with one leg, he just became uh, the number one forward, uh, according to ESPN FC 100. He's number one beating uh, Christian Ronaldo this year uh, as their number one ranked forward. Yeah, well, go check that list out, too. That's fun to look at. Mario, thanks so much. Stoppage time uh, brought to you, of course, by the great Mario Rees each you, and every week here. I am Dave Donald. Thanks to Mario. Thanks to Adam Bronstein, Michael Funches, Steve Paylett, and Jesse Lopez, all the gang behind the scenes who help make Soccer Weekly what it is. Don't forget to podcast it. If you miss anything, you missed the interview with Max Bredos, go back and listen to it on iTunes or at the ESPN Pod Center. I'm Dave Denholm, hanging out with you on the home of world football in Southern California each and every week. It's ESPN LA 710.